Hey, welcome to Crosswalk Church. Today, Pastor Dan is bringing you a teaching, so head over to crosswalkphoenix.com and find today's message under the worship tab. There you can download the Crosswalk notes to follow along. And now, here's Pastor Dan. I have three brothers, and my three brothers hated, hated, hated school. They were probably about the time they were in second grade. They, they were like, why do we have to go to school? We hate school. And it, it's not that my brothers weren't, weren't smart. They're like incredibly smart. Uh, but they didn't necessarily do well and apply themselves in school. And, and so as they got older, and especially when they were in high school, they were the typical, why do we need to learn this? I'm never going to use this in my life. And, and that is the way they, they thought. And so my oldest brother, by the time he was halfway through his senior year, had enough credits to graduate, so he did, because he didn't want to go to school anymore. And then each one of my brothers followed suit. As soon as they could get out of the classroom, they got out of the classroom. But what I found, as I said, is number one, my brothers are smart, and my brothers like to learn as well, and they happen to be very good teachers, which makes it interesting that they never liked the classroom. So all three of them went through a same thing right after high school, and that is something that, that it seems to be dying a little bit. I don't see it as much, and that is these days, and that is they went through an apprenticeship. And, and so they, they looked at going to college and things like that, and they said, we, that would be death to us. We would hate doing that. What we need to do is if we are going to learn something, we need to learn it, and it needs to be applicable immediately. I want to go and learn something, I want to do it, or even better, I want to learn to do it on the job. And so all three of my brothers became plumbers. And, and they went through the apprenticeship. All of them became, uh, through their apprenticeship, became journeyman plumber. And all three of my brothers became master plumbers as well. And they, they just love it. And, and now they're in a situation that we're in business. I, I think maybe a part of them wishes they would have paid a little more attention in math class. But... They, they are able to, to do the work that's in front of them, and they can do so many different things. These are the brothers who, when they were in high school, 16 years old, before they even had a license, bought a car. And, it, and in the shed, ripped the car apart and then put the car back together again. And, and if anything's broke, it's just their approach to anything that's broke is, you know what, we'll fix it, we'll figure it out. And even now, I will, I'll call my brothers when I have pro- problems, any type of problem, electrical problem, plumbing problem, whatever it is, and they would always tell me how to fix it, but now they don't do that anymore. They just send me the YouTube video that will show me how to fix it. <laughs> and, and so today, I, the reason why I bring this up is because we are considering this idea of start following Jesus And part of this is a word that you probably never use, and it's called discipleship. And and when you hear discipleship, a lot of people associate that with learning or, or knowing things. And when they equate it with knowing things, they think of a classroom, 
And when they think of a classroom, they think of a place they don't want to be. They, they think of a, a place where, where they have graduated from that, or that as they consider the classroom that, that they think of, this is, is something that's just for my head, and I, I need to know what I'm going to get out of this. And again, I, I want to point out as I'm saying this, that, that people learn in different ways, and, and learning and doing, as we have looked at a crosswalk model, that's what we have really adopted, and we say that as we, we think about what we learn about Christ and, and what we learn about God, we want to immediately put it into practice. And it's not that there's not a place for the classroom, be, because there is, but as we look at this, my encouragement for you today, as we consider the start following Jesus, and as we look at what role knowing God's word plays, that I want you to think about discipleship like you think about, or as I think about, apprenticeship. And that is the idea of, I am going to learn something today that is going to help me immediately. That what I hear from God's word, I can put it into practice. It's only a matter of finding out where exactly that is. And, and when we do this, you will begin to find God's word to, to be one of the most precious tools that, that you will ever have in your life. And, and as we learn discipleship and as we follow Jesus, what he teaches us is how to take that very important tool of his word and use it in our lives to, I don't want to use the word fix. I, I, I don't want to, I, mean, I hesitate to that because this isn't plumbing. This isn't going in and, and finding broken pipes and that when you leave, it's all better. But, but when you use God's word, it's a way that, that it begins to work on you. And as you, you go through this, you realize you're a work in progress. And, and we need to continue doing this until the day the Lord calls us home. Because it's only then that we will truly be fixed completely when he calls us out of this world to be with him in heaven. So today, let's take this opportunity. We're going to go to uh, the beginning of Jesus' ministry. This is in, in Luke chapter five. And it's the time where Jesus calls his disciples. And it's not going to be all 12 of them. They're, they're, they'll be 12 by the time he's done. But this one, he's just calling a, a few of them. And it's a situation, we're going to read through it, but I'll just tell you a little bit now. He goes and he's by the side of the the lake where they are fishermen, and he preaches a sermon. He tells them to do some stuff. Uh, they do it, and, and they're faced with what they're going to do. Are they going to follow Jesus or not? So let's dig into the specifics right now. We start with Luke chapter 5, beginning with the first verse. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, later known as Peter, and asked him to put a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. So we have a situation here where Jesus, as his ministry is starting, more and more people are coming to him. And what we see here is really a very practical 
thing that, that Jesus did to be able to reach more people. And that was as they were coming around him and it was, it was hard to see that they went out by the lake. There was a boat. He went out a little ways from the, the shore. And I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where growing up, I lived in an area where there were a bunch of lakes and a lot of times at night, we would go out in the boats uh, on the lake. And what's crazy about it is there could be someone a quarter mile away and it sounds like they're right next to you. You can hear the entire con- conversation because the, the water just sends that sound right in. And a- along with this, a lot of times next to a lake, you're going to have a little bit of a hill uh, around it. And so you have a natural theater seating that Jesus was taking advantage of. So, so that's what's happening here. And it, it, for Peter and uh, his brothers and the people he worked with, what was nice was, remember, they didn't have radios back then. So as they're cleaning their nets, they get a little bit of entertainment. It's like, hey, we can listen to what this guy's saying, and it's, it's kind of a win-win. He can use our boat, we can listen, and uh, this way we're not just uh, wasting our time as we're cleaning our nets, but we can listen to him as well. So in the blank, you can write, a relationship with Jesus starts with listening. It starts with listening. And as Peter, what Peter would have been listening to, the message of Jesus was very similar to the message of John the Baptist. And that was the message, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. And that is a message that when you come to to Crosswalk, you're going to find that every Sunday, to one extent or another, we are going to preach a message of repentance and forgiveness. So, So repentance is that Jesus would have said, there's a problem, there's a problem in your life. And the problem comes as a result of sin. And that sin of going against God, of going against his will, you're going to see it in a number of different ways in the things that you say, in the things that you do. And I'm guessing if I were to ask, is there anyone here who thinks they're perfect, um, that no one would raise their hand, or if you did, the person next to you would go, whatever, you're delusional. (laughs) And and so on the one hand, the message of repentance resonates with us because we know down deep, all of us know that our lives at least we, we would agree, even if we're not going to go and talk about sin and apply that, that we would say our lives are a little messed up. That we would say there are pain points in our life. There are pressure points in our lives. And what Jesus was saying is there are pressure points in your life. There is pain. I get that. And, and it, the way that you get through those is through forgiveness. It, it's through your relationship with God. And, and understand what this looks like. And it's going to come through God's love and forgiveness. And it's going to come through a person who is known as the Christ, the promised one. And that is where forgiveness and restoration is, is going to come from. And so that is what Peter and, and the, the rest of the fishermen are listening to. And it's what you're listening to as well today. That is the, the message of law and gospel of sin and forgiveness. We continue. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. And this is highlighted on purpose. But because you say so, 
I will let down the nets. Because you say so, I will let down the nets. And so in the midst of this, it's important to see what's happening. And that is that as Peter is listening to Jesus and his, his message is resonating and, and, and he's saying, you know what? What this guy is saying is true and it's, and it's honest and it, and it really is. A, I understand what he's saying about my relationship to God and, and God's love for me that now Jesus comes to him and gives him an opportunity to say, do you believe that God is not only an expert on spiritual things, but God is also an expert on your life? And, and it makes Peter think, because Peter's a professional fisherman. And, and so as, as he looks at this, it would, he, would have, it, he would have thought, we already went fishing at the best time. It, for those who like to fish, usually those times are right at dawn and right when the sun sets at night. Those are the best times. Those are the times when they are, they, the fish are going to come in to feed and you take advantage. They would have been fishing with nets. And Lord, we went through this, this time that was the best time. And I'm telling you, this is not the time to go fishing. And, and now Peter begins to think about and says, but because you, you say so. And I think it's important that we ask the question, what did Peter have to lose? What did Peter have to lose by saying, you know what, Jesus seems to know what he's talking about with spiritual things. Maybe he's an expert on my life, maybe even more of an expert than I am. Maybe I'll, I'll, I'll do what he said. What do I have to lose? And the answer was, two hours of net cleaning. That, that, that if I go and do this, it's not just as easy as throwing the nets in because for the last hour or two during your sermon when I was cleaning the nets, I'm done. And now what you're asking for is you're asking for more time and energy from me and I don't know if I'm willing to expend that. But because you say so, I'll do it. In the blank, you can write, the first Next step is to test whether what Jesus says actually works. I'm going to test to see what, if Jesus, what he, what he actually says works. And this is something someone told me that I found very interesting. They said, if you are going to be a pastor and, and you are going to go and talk to people about the kingdom of heaven, about repentance and forgiveness that people that come into church are not on a truth quest. And, and that hurt me because I'm all about the truth, right? That the truth of God's word, that is something I stand behind and, and say, man, that is of primary importance. But the reality of it is, is that when people come in here, and, and probably like you, what you are looking for, first and foremost, is something that works in my life. And I'm going to tell you, if that is what you are looking for, you need to test. And as you do the test, understand that you are going to have something to lose. That that's part of the test. You can't have the test of God's word without giving something up. And so, let's start here. If you want to test, test Jesus, let's try this way. I want you to test in your life someone that you have not forgiven and I want you to test Jesus by doing what he says 
and forgiving them. What do you have to lose? Oh, you have a lot to lose. You have the moral high ground to lose, looking down at them and saying, what you did to me, you have all those wounds, you have all that hurt, you have all that heartache, which you are not going to give up because I'm not going to forgive them and I'm going to remember what they did. Then don't tell me that what Jesus says doesn't work. Then say, Jesus, you're not an expert in my life. I'm an expert on my life. Keep your message to the stage and I'll do mine as I live my life as I leave here on Sunday morning. And, and if that's the case, you will not last here very long because you will say God's word doesn't work when in reality, you have not given an opportunity for it to work. Let's do something also that's valuable with generosity. I see this more often than not, and, and, and this is that people, when they look at the, the amount of money that comes into their lives, they say, I don't have enough money to be generous and, and give a gift back to the Lord. And just so we're clear here, I, I, I'm even gonna say this. If you're going to try Jesus on generosity, just so you don't think this is some angle, I'm going to encourage you not to be generous to crosswalk at this moment. I'm going to say, go do it somewhere else. Go, if you want, try generosity. Just start by paying for someone at McDonald's. Try, try when somebody has a, uh, as they did yesterday, they, they were doing a fundraiser for a funeral for someone who died, a, a young kid who died. Stop and give them some money. Try being generous. Try to take, and, and, and when you're doing it, not just the, it's not just the action of giving stuff away, which helps, but rather as an offering to God, say, Lord, I'm going to take an opportunity to take from what you've given me because I've been given so much. And, and let me be like you in being generous to somebody who's in need. I'm going to tell you, if you remain saying, I can't do that, I don't have enough, then don't tell me it doesn't work. Don't, don't you dare tell me generosity doesn't work because you are afraid to test Jesus on it. And now, as we go through this, every week we do this. Every week there's a, an opportunity where Jesus call, not calls you out. He gives you an opportunity to say, try it. Try it and see what happens. So what happened with Peter? Because you say so, I will do it. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish. We're in, in Luke 5, 6, and 7. They caught such uh, a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. Wow, that worked out okay. And notice, notice Peter hedged his bet. Only one boat went out. <laughs> You know what? I'm not going to send both nets out because I don't want to have to clean both of them and both boats. So let's go with one boat and we'll see what happens. And both boats have to go out anyways because there were so many fish. In the blank, you can write, don't forget to marvel over the miracles Jesus works in your life. Don't forget to marvel over the miracles. Last night, I go to Resilient like I do almost every Saturday night. And part of the thing we went through was 
how Jesus is the good shepherd and as the good shepherd, he comes to injured sheep, he comes to weak sheep and he gives strength and he brings healing. And so the question was, how in your life has Jesus brought healing? And I'm going to tell you that every individual there had a story that was more impressive than catching a hundred fish. Amazing, amazing how God changed their lives as they went and as they tried to sabotage their own lives, that Jesus came in and and brought them from living in a a broken down trailer behind a friend's house, doing drugs constantly and thinking only about that and drinking to, to where they are today. Amazing God. And, and the thing about it is, as we were telling our stories, that we tend to forget, that we tend to forget those great miracles of the moment, and we go on and we forget them. It made me think, as I was thinking about this, I thought about the most impressive things in my ministry. There's, there are so many of them. But I'll tell you this. I realized that I'm not any different from you in that I'm looking for something that works. And I I am a person who has very strong belief and I cannot do things that don't work. That That if it seems to me it's a waste of my time, I stop doing it. And I've been a pastor now for 26 years because it's not a waste of time because it works and I see miracles all the time. And one of them I remember so vividly was a a time when a guy was sick. He had a, a pinhole hole in his stomach, but it was on the back side of his stomach and it was letting stomach acid into his whole cavity and they didn't catch it and they didn't know what was going on. And it got worse and worse and worse. And then they're hospitalized. They still couldn't find it. We're praying like crazy. God help him, heal him. The, The doctors were in the cafeteria at the hospital. There were like five doctors talking about it and they just realized he's gonna die. And the doctor next to them happened to hear what they were talking about, said, you know, I had a case like this five years ago where there was a, like a pinhole hole right behind the stomach. This sounds exactly like that. You should go in and check for it. So they did, went back in and they, they checked for it. And that's what was going on. But he was so full of infection that he was going to die anyways. And so they, they, they decided they were going to go in with saline solution, open him up, and just wash all of his organs to try to get the infection out. And, and I knew, the, <laughs> I knew the, the, the doctor and one of the nurses who was doing the surgery, and, and I was talking to them, and they're like, this guy's going to die, so you need to get his wife here before we take him in. He had been in a coma for about seven days up to that time. You need to get his wife in here and you need to, to have her say goodbye to him. We'll bring him out of the coma and then we'll take him in, but don't expect him to come out. So we did that and his wife was like oblivious. They're like, okay, we'll see you later, honey. They take him in there. And, and the, the doctor later told me, he said, you know, you've heard of like a Hail Mary pass. He said, this is the, what the surgery we did is the equivalent of a Hail Mary pass, followed by a two-point conversion, followed by an onside kick recovery, followed by a Hail Mary pass, followed by a two-point conversion, followed by an onside kick, followed by a Hail Mary pass, followed by a two-point conversion to win by one when there were 30 seconds left in the game. So he's like, so... 
he's like, I told you he was going to die and I would have given him 0% chance except I saw this. He said, I, I just, I don't know what to say other than God is good. And, and as we look at this, here's the deal, man. This, I, how long you wanna stay here today? Because I have, I have great ones that have to do with relationships and forgiveness and healing and, and God being good all the time. Yeah, don't forget because I know you have these stories. I know you have these stories. I know you do. Don't forget them. We continue. When Simon saw this, he fell at his knees. Go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish that, had taken, that they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Tom referenced this already in, in the, when we talked about the confession of sins. Really what this section is, the best way to describe it, I already said Jesus' message was repentance and forgiveness. Now what's happening, and this happens in your lives, this doesn't happen every day. It doesn't happen every day in my life where you understand the concept of sin and the concept of forgiveness. But what, what happens in this section is when you truly realize and you, you come to grips with how bad you are. And so if this was me, I would probably say, I suck. That, that it would, that you're in that situation where you're just like, man, I'm just, do you know what I'm talking about where you have those moments where you really come into this and say, I, I don't know how anyone else likes it. I don't even like myself. And I, because of this, and, and all of a sudden, I'm faced with this in a very real way. In the blank, you can write, warning, standing in the presence of God will make you painfully aware of your own you can put the word in, sin, weakness, unworthiness, suckiness. It's just all of this where you, you, are, you realize what your behavior has done to your life and your relationship with God. And then it's so important, let's, we gotta stay right with it. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. It's, it's that quick. It, it's not, Jesus isn't even going to argue the point. You know why? Because it's true. It's the message he had been preaching. And it's finally that it's like Jesus is saying, Simon, all that, that I was telling you about sin, you now understand on a personal level. And I get it. When you really understand it, it's scary, but it's okay. Because I love you. God loves you. I'm, I'm here because you need me. In the blank, you can write, Jesus raises the bar of righteousness, but he lowered the bar of entry. So Jesus isn't saying, it's okay, we'll take people like you who aren't righteous and, and you don't have to be righteous. No, what Jesus is saying is, Peter, I will make you righteous. That I have come to, to make this payment for your sin. And, and the beauty of me making that payment is I can say to you right now, don't be afraid. And so as you hear this message, maybe there are things about it that make you afraid that make you wonder about God, whether, whether or not you belong here, whether or not God loves you or not. Again, I, I've had these conversations many times in my life where people have said, I'm afraid to go to church because I'm afraid when I walk in, it's gonna collapse on me. I'm afraid whenever I go by a church that clouds are going to gather and lightning will come down because I think God's on to me. 
And if you are, have ever felt that way, Jesus' message is the same to you. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. We're, this is going, going to be okay. Start following me. So we continue. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. All Peter wanted when he got out of bed that day was to catch enough fish so he could make a living. And now, after his interaction with Jesus, all of those things that that he prayed to God for and wanted so desperately didn't matter. He he left the boat. He left the fish. He, He left all of that because he found something better. And as we look at this, this is, this is also important for us that, that there's probably, if you are someone who's, who's come, you want something from God if you're here, that, that you come here and, and whether it be on a spiritual level, I'm looking for forgiveness, I'm looking for a fresh start, I'm looking for strength, whatever it is, that, that it's great that you are here. But what Jesus does is, is when we come to him looking for things and stuff, he gives us a relationship. He gives us something better. That he said, you came looking for this. How about if I give you myself? How about if the, instead of the course of, of my life changing to give you what you want, the course of your life changes to follow me? And so he invites them to come. In the blank, you can write, with four fishermen, Jesus started the first impact group, of course. It's that time of year, people. And so now is when I ask you, if you haven't already, to look at both sides of this. Impact groups, also known as apprenticeship, or Crosswalk University, known as the class people. And ultimately, my hope is that you will all do parts of this. But really, the the part of this, if, if you are someone who's newer, I would encourage you to go to is Christian Essentials 1. Someone asked me today, if I go to a Christian Essentials 1, Christian Essentials 2 is like two weeks later, can I go to that? It's like, yeah, that's kind of the point. That's why they're on separate days and close to one another that you can go from one right to the other. And, and what this is and what the impact group is, I'm just going to tell you is, test Jesus. What do you have to lose? And the answer is four hours of my time. The answer is an hour and a half once a week. And okay, then I'm going to tell you that might be a sacrifice. And at the end of the, I've, I've been to movie theaters where I've given two hours, I'll never get back. So that's what this is as well, right? That, that it is, it's saying, Jesus, I, I want to test, but don't you dare just go there and say, yeah, I went there, it wasn't, it wasn't any good. No, that this is not just hearing God's word. This is hearing God's word and putting it into practice. This is the maturity cycle. That start following Jesus doesn't mean that once I come here and I've listened, I've done my part. No. Whoever hears this word of mine and puts it into practice is like the wise man who built his house on the rock. When the rains came and the winds rise and they beat against that house, it it stays steady because it has its foundation on the rock. But whoever hears the word but does not put it into practice, it's like the foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rains came, the winds blew, beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash because it didn't have a foundation. That's what we're talking about when we say start following Jesus. Not just listening, but doing as well. The next one we have is Matthew 9, verse 9. 
As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at a tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. Want to point out, this is my favorite. This, is, this might be one of my favorite scriptures there in the Bible. And the reason why I like it so much is that it's Matthew going third person talking about his own conversion. But the part that you don't want to miss is you notice what chapter it's in? Chapter nine. Which means Matthew had nine chapters of Jesus working on him until it was the day that he realized, I got to leave this life and, and, and go. That, that it, was, it was a different timetable. It looked different than Peter, James, and John. And, and everybody here, I'm just telling you, it's going to look different. That, that, that for some of you, you might only be in chapter one right now. And you need eight chapters of Jesus' love to finally get to a point where maybe you're, you're ready to, to go all in on Jesus. That's okay. Jesus was incredibly patient with Matthew. And he's incredibly patient with you. And he's incredibly patient with me as well. We are works in progress. Another way I love it said is Jesus loves you just the way you are, but he loves you too much to let you stay that way. And, and so that's why we follow him. We follow where he leads. So in, in the blank, you can write at some point, we will all face the invitation to follow Jesus. And just in case you haven't heard it, I'm inviting you today. You have an invitation. You have an invitation to go to Christian Essentials 1. You have an invitation to go to an impact group. You have an invitation to come back here next Sunday. You have an invitation to take a next step closer to Jesus and begin to stick your toe in the water a little bit to see what it's like and see what he is all about. And when you do that, I've done my job. The final one we will look at is is from Mark chapter eight. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, here we go. This is the call of Jesus to you today. Listen, he's talking to you. Whether you are a disciple, consider yourself a disciple or whether you're just part of the crowd. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? At some point, if you're going to be a disciple, you have to make a trade. A trade. That you have to trade things that you find valuable for something that you find most valuable. Newsflash, we, we all do that in life. It's called giving things up, and it's part of growing up where you realize you can't have it all. So what you do is, is you begin to prioritize. And so Jesus also told the story about this, that he said the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant who has fine pearls. And that individual with the fine pearls has, has a bunch of them. It's a jewelry collection. And all of a sudden, one day he goes and he finds this one pearl of great worth. And he says, you know what? Take all of these, I wanna buy that because it's worth it. And that is a good trade. There's tons of these, but only one of those and that's what I want. 
That's what you're doing in life all the time, that you're trading time and energy and money and, and talent for what you value the most. Great quote about this that I read from an individual named Jim Elliott said this. He is no fool. So he is no fool, or she is no fool, who gives what they cannot keep to gain what they cannot lose. Think about I'll say that again. He is no fool. She is no fool who gives what they cannot keep to gain what they cannot lose. Peter was going to lose the boat one day anyways. He was going to lose the fish one day anyways, whether it be from old age or whatever it was, Peter's boat isn't even around anymore. How about you? What are the things in your life that right now, what do you need to give up? And I'm not telling you, this isn't necessarily that we're not talking about selling everything you own and going and following Jesus. But sometimes it is giving up the pride, the arrogance, the anger, the hate. Sometimes it is giving up something else that's standing in the way. Something that, let's be honest, is valuable, but it's not as valuable. That as we go through life, it is, it's about what we find value in and then the next step we take towards what is most important. And Jesus' encouragement to you today is to be wise in taking that step. Be wise in making those choices. Newsflash, even though I brought it up right now or, or Jesus' words do, you're doing it anyways. You are doing it anyways by what you value and what you do. And Jesus says, choose wisely. In the blank, you can write, discipleship is all about what you value and your next step. The next step is going to be different for every person here, but the direction is the same. Take your next step towards Jesus, and you know what it's called? Following. <laughs> Start following Jesus hearing his word, taking him at his word, testing him in his word, and seeing that what he says works. He's crazy about you. He, that's why he comes. That's why this invitation is here. That, that is why the, uh, that he came and, and gave his life for yours. That's done. That is complete. You are loved. His love cannot be any more intense than it is for you. But now, again, through the power of the Holy Spirit and by the grace of God, follow him. Let's pray. Dear Lord God, we thank you uh, that you come and you, you engage us. Right now, today is no different than the day you came by Peter's boat. It's, it's no different. We are here listening to what you say. And now, as, as we have heard this message, that it, it, each one of us is faced with this question, what am I going to do? What, where am I going to go from here? And Lord, we, we beg that you would send your Holy Spirit to, to strengthen faith in us, to grow faith in us, so that we can take sometimes these very difficult next steps of following you. Please bless every person here. Let them know that they are loved. And, and Lord, don't give up on us. Uh, we need you to, to continually come after us. And we know that through, through the grace that you show us through Jesus Christ, that you come and lay hold of us. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 
So before we close, if you would like more information about Crosswalk or to listen to other messages, head over to crosswalkphoenix.com or come and see us. Services are held at Cesar Chavez High School at 41st Avenue and Baseline on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. Visit our website for directions. And now some closing thoughts from Pastor Dan. All right. There's no doubt who took the first step, and that's Jesus, coming into this world, being our Savior. But today, the word of the day, the words of the day are next step. What is the next step as Jesus is calling you? And, and, and go to him in prayer. Lord, what is my next step? Help me to see where you want me to lead. And as you go, go with the Lord's blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you his peace. Amen. Have a great day.